We're glad that you're on today with us. I want to share something with you about the holiest place on earth today. I'm sure that many of you may not have thought about this, but it may be new to some, but may be old to others. But at any rate, it's an important topic. A number of years ago, I believe it was 1976, I had the privilege to go on my first trip to Israel and go to the holy spots and see all the places that things had happened. Since that time, we've been able to take a few groups with us, and perhaps our largest group was in 1990, when about 30 people from New Life would join with about a half a dozen from other people around Louisville, and we went and spend, spent 10 days in Israel, visiting all of those places. For example, we went to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. Then we went to the Temple Mount, where there's a... a um, a Muslim mosque, and then we were able to see the upper room and Calvary and the garden tomb, baptized some folks in Jordan River, and then began to go through other places throughout Israel. And lots of people believe most of those places are holy. To them, it has great significance. And then at the end of that trip, some are went home, and then some took a, a three-day extension to Egypt. And then some of us also took a three-day extension to the Vatican. And Debbie and I went on that area, to that area. So we got to go there and see St. Peter's Basilica, and even got to um, go into a confessional. I went in as a confessional. Nobody came in to confess any sins, but I think they took a picture of it, so... Uh, to prove that I'd actually been there. At any rate, uh, you know, that was an important place. A lot of, you know, artistry and columns and great big humongous buildings, etc. But you know, a lot of people think cathedrals are holy places as well. Some people even believe that Christian church buildings are holy places. But you know, I suggest we look at something beyond all of that. There is a... Uh, place that is far more holy than all of those that I just mentioned. I do not mean to be saying anything derogatory towards those places. I'm just saying there's a holy place that far exceeds all of that. You may recall that in the Old Testament, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt and they got into the wilderness, God gave instructions on how they were to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it had an outer court, a holy place. Then it had, in, uh, beyond that, was the holiest of holies. And there was where the presence of God dwelt. I suggest that one reason, or perhaps the main reason, we call that the holy place, or the holy of holies, was because of God's presence. And then you may recall in the uh, book of uh, First, Second Kings, as well as Second Chronicles, where Solomon dedicated his temple. And on that great dedication day, he prayed a tremendous prayer. And the presence of God was revealed powerfully. And the Holy Spirit took up residence again in the Holy of Holies. So we deduct from all of that, wherever the presence of God is, is a holy place. Wherever the presence of God is, is a holy place. And then 
uh, Deacon Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7 tells us this in verse 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophets say. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? In other words, whatever house that man can build for God is insufficient to contain the presence of God. Let me say that again. Whatever house we build for God as a dwelling place for Him is insufficient to hold the very presence of God. Now, can God choose to put His presence temporarily in a building, a house? Yes, He can. I've had numerous experiences in being in, perhaps even driving in a car and recognizing the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's the experience I had when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God's presence, His tangible presence, got in that car with me. And it was quite an experience. So, can those things happen? Yes, they can. But I could not say the Holy Spirit always dwells in my car. No, my car's not a holy place, but I, as a redeemed person, have the presence of God living in me. And so wherever I go and wherever you go as a believer, you take the presence of God and that place can become a holy place as long as you're there. So the Most High does not dwell in temples made by hand. We cannot say that this, this auditorium is a sanctuary because it's not. It's an auditorium. Because that's what it is. That's the very thing that this room that we're in is. However, there are a few people in this room today who are believers, have the Spirit of God living in them, and because that is true, then this becomes a place where the Spirit of God can tangibly be manifest. Do you see the difference? The Scripture also says in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that your spirit is the dwelling place, is God's dwelling place. It says this, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ living in you, he lives where? In you. He lives in you. You see, mankind is a tripartite being, a three-part being. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Your body is the house you live in. And inside that body is a soul. And inside that soul is the spirit, the redeemed spirit of that person. That's where the Spirit of God literally dwells. That's His dwelling place in you. Now, can He manifest Himself from there? Yes. He can affect the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. He can affect the body. There's been times that I have recognized the Spirit of God literally in my body. It does happen. doesn't happen often. doesn't happen every day. But it does happen occasionally. It can happen. He can choose to do that for whatever reason he has. But the dwelling place isn't in the flesh of the body. The dwelling place is in the innermost part of the person, in the spirit. 
1 John 4, 4, greater is He because He who is in the world is greater than He who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than He that is in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yes, your body is holy only in the sense that it contains the spirit. Your body is a temple. It's a house. But that's what it is, a house. And inside it is where the spirit of God lives. And as because of what he said here to the Corinthian church and to us, we need to be concerned that the way we live is in line with the presence of the Holy God who lives in us. Let me say that again. Because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, it behooves us to live in such a way that's consistent with the Holy One who now dwells within us. That's what he tells us. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says this, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear or awesome worship of God. So we are required to present to God. Now, by our own works, we do not make ourselves holy. You can do all the good works you want to. You're never going to become holy that way. That's not the plan and purpose of God under the new covenant. You only become holy and righteous because of the greater one who lives within you. But you and I have the privilege to cooperate with him and obey him. And as a result of that, he can reveal within and outward from our spirit characteristics that are consistent with his life and nature. That's what he's saying here. We have these promises. What promises? In the latter portion of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, he talks about that we should live separated life or sanctified lives. And he gives several statements where God says, as a result of that, I will be with you. I will live in you. And so on. So here he is saying, having those promises, let us cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and spirit. How, what's he talking about here? Flesh is the word sarks, which means parts of our inner person who are not yet submitted to the Lordship of Christ. All of us have got some flesh. I said to report that, but we all got some flesh, and I'm not talking about this flesh and bone and blood here. I'm talking about parts of our life that are not totally submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And he tells us, you know, make sure that you commit. Get all of those areas of your life submitted to his Lordship and filthiness of the flesh, and spirit. Now, how can your spirit get filthy? We're talking about the human spirit here. Not the Holy Spirit who lives there, but the human spirit. You know, there are some other characteristics that are in the human spirit that make up the spirit. Initiative, intuition, or perhaps characteristics of the human spirit as well as the Spirit of God dwelling there. And so as a result, our intuitiveness, our... Um, Initiative could be misused and skewed and thereby become filthy, as it were. So he tells us to cleanse ourselves from all those things. And as a result of that, because the Spirit of God lives in us, He can manifest Himself in a greater measure 
than ever before. So folks, the Spirit of God lives in you. You, as a believer, are the holiest place on earth. It's not any one building. It's not any one geographical location. It's not being up in the atmosphere. I remember back in the 70s and 80s, I thought it was humorous then, and I think it's even more so today, uh, was that people would, intercessors particularly, would get in airplanes and fly over places uh, like if they were interceding, interceding for Louisville, they get in an airplane, fly around Louisville for a while, and as they interceded, they believed they were dealing with spiritual powers in heavenly places by intercession. They believed that it helped a lot. Personally, I don't think that does one bit of good because I think you and I can move heaven while we're on our knees. Hello? I believe you can move heaven while you're on your knees. Not a geographical location. I don't have to climb a mountain. I don't have to get in a submarine and go to the depths of the ocean to find the presence of God. He lives in us. I and you have as much authority with two feet planted on planet earth as you'll have any place else in God's creation. Do you know you're not going to have any more authority when you get to heaven than you already have? Now that'll shake somebody's world, I'm sure. You will not have any more authority then than you have now. All authority has been given to me, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 18. Then he turns around and transmits that into the disciples. Now you go and do. As when we are going and doing what He's told us to do, we've got His authority to do what He told us to do. And you'll have it just as much here as any place else. Why? Because of Him. Number two, what we can do to improve our cooperation with His Spirit. I'm going to suggest a couple of things. Number one is listen and obey His Word. We can cooperate with the Spirit of God living in us. I oftentimes get asked this. Can you teach us some things about how to hear the voice of God? About two or three weeks ago, a lady here, when I was leaving on a Sunday, a lady came up to me and said, will you teach us some on how to hear and recognize the voice of God? And I said, sure, I can do that. I'm learning it myself. Sure, we can. We can learn how to hear and listen. And so one of the things we need to do is listen and then obey the Word. That is the written Word of God. And from the written Word of God, the Spirit of God might take a word and give it to us for a specific action at a point in time. Go here. Do this. Go there and say this. A specific word, a rhema word that is based on what the written word has already said. So we need to listen. Listen for His voice. You may recall Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Seven churches in Asia Minor. He, he spoke to each one of them and said, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Spirit was talking to the church? Uh, yes. He wasn't talking to a building. He was talking to a people that were in those seven localities in that part of the world of Asia Minor. So listen for His voice and then obey it. In the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, 
The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is one way that you can commune specifically with the Holy Spirit. Just when a, a sinner gets born again, and he invites Jesus to be Lord and Savior in his life, and his sins are remitted, and the life of God literally comes to dwell in him. Romans 8 9 says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you're not His. So when you get born again, the Spirit of Christ moves into your spirit. From that point, the Spirit of God bears witness with Him that He is in fact a child of God. He has assurance on the inside of Him that He's a child of God. So, we need to listen for that voice. Now, here's one thing you have to do. You have to shut out a lot of the distractions to hear the voice of God. Have you ever been in some locality and perhaps you're trying to talk with someone, but the background noise is so loud that you find yourself almost screaming at each other to overcome the, the music or whatever is happening around you? I've been there lots of times. So what, what you have to do, you have to be able to shut out those distractions. And those distractions can come not only from background noise in a room someplace, but they can come from a lot of different things in a lot of different places. We need to shut out the distractions so that we can hear the voice of God. Well, can't God speak louder? He can, but He doesn't have to. He can speak very softly. You may recall 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 20. The prophet Elijah, he had just encountered uh, Jezebel, I believe it was, and he had that encounter with her, and those people got, and the false prophets died, and, and now he's running from her, from Jezebel. And he's running, and he gets out by himself, and he hears and sees a large, strong wind. Then there was an earthquake. That wasn't God. Then there was a fire, and that wasn't God. And the Bible will say, and after the fire, there was a still, small voice. A gentle, peaceful, quiet voice. In his case, he had to get beyond all of the loud, demonstrative things outwardly to be able to hear within him what the voice of God was saying. What did the voice? The voice told him to anoint a certain guy as a prophet, uh, and then another, another guy as a king, and that his days of life were coming shortly to an end. And he obeyed God and did what God told him to do. So the Spirit can bear witness with your spirit. He can speak to you from within, but you and I have to be listening. Let me tell you something you can do to improve that. Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know what's happening when you pray in your prayer language? You are connecting with your spirit. With your spirit. It's, that's why you can pray in your prayer language and your mind is not involved, as it were. You're bypassing your mind and you're praying out of that innermost part, that spirit part. And so I would encourage you to do that much more than you do. 
For most Christians, if they use their prayer language at all, it may be only once a week. It ought to be several times a week. Perhaps even several times a day. I, for one, I spend about 90 plus percent of my time praying in tongues. You know why? Because I've learned that my spirit knows more than my brain does. If I limit my praying to just what little my brain knows, I'm in trouble. But if I pray out of my spirit, my regenerated spirit, where the life of God is, and if I can allow the Spirit of God in me, pray through me, then I can see a lot more productivity happen. We can do that. Build up yourself on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Paul said, For if I pray in a tongue, a glossa, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. You see that? If, you, if and when you pray in your spirit, it's your spirit praying, but your mind is unfruitful. That it is, it's, it's not understanding everything. And you know, you and I don't have to understand everything. We have, that's why we have faith. There are some things that you cannot comprehend. You just have to realize, I don't get it. I don't understand that. That's why we have faith. We go ahead and obey God, His Word and His Spirit, even when our mind is unfruitful. That's when you can pray out of your spirit and know that you're praying about that particular thing that you don't understand. But you know that you are. Now you couldn't give a scientific explanation for it as to how you know it. You just know it. Okay? And again, that's part of the human spirit, the uh, intuitiveness. I was at a conference a number of years ago. This must have been in the 1980s or maybe perhaps early 90s at Oral Roberts uh, University um, was putting on a conference. And uh, Oral Roberts was speaking and he was answering questions at the end of his uh, teaching session. And uh, somebody asked him, said, Dr. Roberts, how do you know when God is speaking to you? Legitimate question to a man that was greatly used of God. He said, well, if it's not clear, if it's not explicit, if it's not very clear to me, then I go with my deepest premonition. That was his statement. I personally wouldn't want to use that word, but uh, at any rate, what he was trying to say is, I go with what is the deepest thing that I get in my spirit. I go with that. If it's not clear otherwise, that's what I go with. And he said, I have found that most of the time that will be right on, consistent with what God wants in my life. His intuition, His knowing. And again, that's why we have faith because lots of times the Spirit of God may say something that you can't explain in lots of other ways, yet you know, you know, you know that that's God. Now, when those times happen, make sure you go back and verify it with Scripture. There should be something in the Word of God, a principle in the Word of God that will assure you that what you know or think you know on the inside is in fact the Word of God. Let me give you one other scripture. In the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, King James says, quicken, give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now, point being, the Spirit of God dwells in you. In you. Wherever you go, you take Him. Wherever you go, He goes. That's why Jesus could say to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know why? Because wherever you are, He is. Is that us? 24-7, 365 and one quarter days a year. On any continent of the world, the deepest part of the earth, the highest of the universe. He, if you're there as a believer, He's there. Because you take Him with you. Now, understanding that should make our thinking adjust a little bit. Okay, I have a need. So do I say, oh God, I'm begging you. Oh God, I'm pleading with you. Would you provide healing for me? My body hurts. Useless prayer. That's a useless prayer. You know why? Because the Word of God says He already did that. The Word of God says He already provided healing for your body. By His stripes you are healed. And even beyond that, this verse says, because you are a believer, the Spirit lives in you. And because that Spirit lives in you, He can give life to your physical body right now. Wherever the presence of God is, you'll find the characteristics of God. Wherever the presence of God is, you'll find whatever Jesus provided for us on the cross is available at that point in time. So if He lives in you, it's available. It's available for us. Last night I was praying for someone. I got a report of someone that was needing prayer. You know what? I spent quite a bit of time declaring healing scriptures for that person. I didn't ask God to heal them. Oh God, would you provide healing? Oh God, would you walk in his room and provide healing to him? No, because I know him. He is a believer. He has the Spirit of God living in him. So what I was declaring is, Father, I thank you that you're releasing divine healing out of his spirit into his body. And that's scriptural. I was declaring that for him. I didn't beg God for anything. Didn't plead with God to do anything. I just declared what the Word of God said from this scripture as well, from, as, well as other places. By the one who raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, He will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who has to leave heaven and come to earth. Doesn't say that. Through His Spirit who lives in you. So right now, that power can be released. Say, so, well, could, couldn't you be in an atmosphere where there's a tangible anointing and, and God heal? Of course. That's one of the ways He uses people. But I'm talking about you by yourself are a dwelling place for God. The most holy place on the earth is you. 
That's where the most holy place on earth is, is in you. Because His presence lives in your regenerated spirit. And everything that has been provided at the cross is available to be accessed through that spirit who lives in you. Now, I don't know about you, but what that does for me is it gives me a lot of confidence. Gives me a lot of confidence to know because he's in me, wherever I go, he goes. I don't pray anymore. Lord, I got a difficult day. Would you be with me? Never. I haven't prayed that in decades. You know why? Because I found out he already is. So why should I ask him to be with me? You know what I do do? I say this. I say, Father, I thank you that you're with me today. I thank you, Lord, and you know I have a difficult day today, but I thank you that you're with me, and because you're with me, I'm already victorious today. Are you here? So what I'm trying to do there, I'm trying to allow the greater one who lives in me, I'm giving him permission to do and be his own character, release his own power and provision, whatever I'm facing that day, into whatever I'm facing. Okay? That's the way you do it. Because, you see, if you understand that you are the dwelling place of God, I don't have to send a prayer off to heaven or perhaps sits on the sides of the north, according to Psalm 48. I don't have to wait for that prayer to go out. Now I've got to wait for God to hear it. And like Daniel, 21 days have got to go by before he answers it. don't have to do that. I don't live under the old covenant. I live under the new covenant. New covenant, better promises. New covenant, Spirit of God lives in believers. Didn't happen in the Old Covenant, except just three or four different times, and those were exceptions to the rule. Other than that, he didn't live in the average Israelite, but he lives in the average Christian. He lives in us. And because of that, we have something far better than they had. And whatever the need is, we can tune into it if we'd simply realize he is there. Well, can't you... Be in places where you sense God's presence? Yes, you certainly can. And the more sensitive we are to His Spirit on the inside, the more sensitive we will become to what He desires to do in given situations. Lots of times I've been in the midst of counseling sessions or deliverance sessions or some sort of situation where I'm interrelating and responding to individuals. And I try in those times to get my brain, set it aside over here, and try to listen to what my spirit is saying. And you know, I found on those occasions when I've been able to do that, I've been able to hear his spirit and respond accordingly. And when I respond according to his spirit, I can see happen what he was trying to do at that particular time. And that's not just for me. That's for every believer. That's for you. That's for all of us. Father, I thank you for your promises of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you live within us as believers today. That we believers are the holiest place on earth. Not because of us, but because of you, the one who lives in us. Father, I thank you for this. And I praise you for it. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name.